Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we come to it now that you would help us to understand it, to see in it what you want us to see, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and to hear and to understand what you have to say to us from your word. So we look to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want to look back at this passage that we've read from Isaiah chapter 6? And the chapter begins, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Charles Colson, who founded the Prison Fellowship, he was visiting a friend, Tom Phillips, and Tom explained to him that he had just ex accepted Jesus Christ as his saviour. Charles could see Tom was at peace. He was at peace with himself, and he was at peace with God. Charles Colson was deeply impacted by this testimony and the, the, what he could see in Tom having found and trusted in Jesus Christ as his saviour. As he left, he cried so much that he couldn't even get the keys into the ignition of his car. That day, Charles Colson was confronted with his own sin, the hidden evil that lives within every human heart. And it was painful, and he could not escape. He cried out to God and found himself driven into the arms of his waiting Savior. That night, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and began the greatest adventure of his life. And that is an amazing experience for anyone to have. It's that wonderful experience of coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Starting out, as he put it, beginning the greatest adventure of his life. We don't just settle for that, do we? In nine, that was in 1973. But several years later, Charles Colson was brought to the place where he realized he had a very inadequate view of God. He began watching lectures on the holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. And at the end of the sixth lecture, he was on his knees deep in prayer, in awe of a God of absolute holiness. He gained a new understanding and a taste for the majesty of God. What an experience. Times, and I'm sure you have times, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll have had times in your life. Experiences that, that are unforgettable. And that's what we're going to look at here for, I say it was a an unforgettable experience. He remembered the time. It was in that year, the year that King Uzziah died, that's when it happened. 
He had this vision. He said he saw the Lord. Kings rise and kings fall, we know that. But the Lord is always and will always be on the throne, the King of Kings. And that is a great comfort. And that can and should bring us a great confidence as we come and live out our lives day by day, that God is on the throne. And that should give us confidence. The theme of this chapter is divine kingship. And there are times in Scripture, of course, there's many times when we read and see people having an encounter with God. Like this one with Samuel, for example. In Samuel, for Samuel 3.20, all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Verse 21, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Stephen wrote in Acts 7, Brothers and fathers, hear me, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And Moses, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Times when God revealed himself to different people in different ways. Unforgettable times. Paul himself, on the road to Damascus, was stopped by the brightness of, of the light of the glory of the Lord himself, that he could do nothing but fall down before him. These times will never be forgotten. Isaiah, in John twelve forty one, we read, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. He saw his glory. What may he have seen when he saw his glory? It could be a slightly different concept just to grasp when we talk about the glory of God because it's a way beyond, it's far beyond anything that, where we can go with our minds. It's a way beyond all of that, God's glory. But I found helpful what I read from, from Baker's commentary. We, we read in John 1.14, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the one the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. They had seen his glory. Baker said, it was the radiance of his grace and the majesty of his truth manifested in all his works and words. The radiance of his grace and the majesty of his truth manifested, shown forth in all his works and words. Of course, in John, we, we read of signs, and the first sign, miracle sign that Jesus did was turning the water into wine at the wedding in Cana in Galilee. And we read there, this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. I remember visiting uh, a minister. He's still, he's very elderly. He's still alive, the Reverend 
Willie McLeod in Barvis, who was lived through and ministered through the, the revival. We turned to him one day and came, came upon the, the subject. And of this miracle, this is what he said. He said, what was human ran out and it will bring disappointment. But when they saw his glory, it surpassed everything that went before. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. His glory, perfectly holy. Holiness, of course, is set apart, separated from what contaminates, separated from what is secular. John Piper said, to use his own words, explaining his glory, he said, it's the going public of his holiness. That's his glory. It's the going public of his holiness. And uh, as he explains in this passage that we're looking at, the, the seraphim cried to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of, he said, you might expect to read his holiness, but it's full of his, his glory. The radiance of his grace and the majesty of his truth manifested in all his works and word. Do we long for a glimpse of the glory of God? Do we, do we come along to, to worship on a Sunday morning, praying, Lord, that, that we would see you, that we would get a fresh glimpse of God's glory as we come to worship him? You see, if that happened, if we just got just a glimpse of him today, it, it would show us things. It would show us things anew about him. It would show us things anew about ourselves. For one thing, it would show us that if we got a glimpse of his glory, a glimpse of his holiness, of his being set apart and perfectly holy, it would give us a, a fresh sense of the seriousness of sin. And we live in a day when, when largely that, that has been lost. We've lost something of the seriousness of sin. Because sin is not just about messing up somehow along the way. We've messed up a bit. Sin is against God. We sin against God. And it's against him. And, and not only is, is this caught up with in, in the world, the a sense of the seriousness of sin. And people just go on like, like oblivious to the fact that we, we have sinned against God. His perfection, His greatness, His holiness, His glory. And like there's going to be no accountability. We're just going to fly off somewhere into the sky at the end of the day. The, the Word of God tells us that is so different. Because we need to see him. A fresh glimpse of his glory has entered into the church. We come before a God who cannot tolerate sin. He is holy, holy, 
holy. This was a wonderful and unforgettable experience of what Isaiah saw. In, the, in that year, he said, I saw, I saw the Lord. It was life-changing. Experiences like that are life-changing. He remembered it. wonder if we got times that, that we can remember. Times that we should remember when God had dealings with us. When God revealed himself in a particular way. You hear them speaking in times of revival. They can go back to some wonderful experiences. Probably we don't think about them or speak about them enough. They're so heartwarming. These people remember them. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I remember Agnes Morrison, and it's obviously a time that that she remembers very, very well and very vividly and remembers it with such warmth. And and when she tells the story, she says, there were many times like these. But she says, this time, they were coming out of the church in Barvis after a meeting. And everybody was just moving out slowly and they got to the steps of the church. And God came. And everyone stopped. And one of the elders began singing words from a psalm. Psalm 132, I think it, the the psalm was. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob these words. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And you know, she said, and it was wonderful. Time when when God came, and I know that we're we're living outside of revival. But we come to the same God. And God is able to, to show forth his glory. And he does every day. We look out and we see the wonder of his creation, don't we? Everybody can see that. The psalm tells us, doesn't it, that the heavens declare the glory of God? The skies do show forth his handiwork and it's there for all to see God revealing his greatness how he he shows forth his the majesty his majesty in his works and in his words in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple The, the, the train being the hem or the bottom of the robe of a king or priest, his kingly reign. He is king. And of course, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, those who belong to the Lord, those who are his people. First Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 
Uh, do we have this longing in our lives that we would be filled with the Spirit of God? He saw his glory, his splendor, and, he, and his majesty, and he was, he was overwhelmed by it. Above, we read, him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, he covered his face. He showed, they showed such, such reverence. Careful. We need to be careful how we come before God. We need to come with, with reverence and with humility. With two he flew and on God's errands. They called to each other, sharing praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Of course, the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. What did this do for Isaiah? What he saw, he saw the Lord. It was unforgettable. An overwhelming sense of his presence and of his power. And he would come to worship in spirit and in truth. Is this what we long for when we come together? That we would see the Lord? Or do we just, we can't wait till, till the end, till we get out and we chat to each other and have a cup of tea and get away home? Have the dinner, come back again. What are we here? And are our hearts just warm? And are our hearts just longing that we would see him? We would see him afresh. We would see something of his glory. That's what I say I saw. saw. You see a glimpse of him. That's what will make an impact on our lives. John 12 and 20 and 21, we read now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus, that he would reveal himself. How he revealed himself to the, the woman at the well. She said, I know Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. And then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? <clears throat> so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You see, when Jesus revealed himself to her, when she, she got a glimpse of him and who he is, then the water jar, what is earthly, it was left behind. And she went away and she began to speak of him, to tell people, come see a man. You see, what he, what he saw, he saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, he realized something. He realized he was unclean. I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Unclean here is it's a general term in the Old Testament for all that is unfit to be in the presence of God. And a glimpse of him would show us that. Show us things in our lives that we wouldn't see otherwise. That we, we can just go on being, being oblivious in a sense. But when we, we come to him and in the light of his word, in the light of his glory and grace, we begin to realize in our lives things that, that are not right. Things that shouldn't be here. Like Isaiah said, woe is me for I am lost. I am ruined. He realized that all was not well. All was not right. And that's what a glimpse of the Lord will do for us. It will show us things in our lives. Our sin. And he realized he saw the Lord. He was unclean. But what it required, he knew he needed cleansing. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The coal of cleansing taken from the altar that was burning constantly, not, not to burn, but to cleanse and to heal. And surely... This, this takes us to the ultimate sacrifice of the cross at the cross of Calvary where, where, where there is forgiveness and see a, a glimpse of the Lord himself would show us the need in our lives would show us our sin that, that we would realize we need cleansing, I need cleansing I need the, the washing of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ See, it would make us flee to the cross of Calvary. This is where a glimpse of the glory of, of the Lord would take us. Not just to our lips, but to, to reach our hearts. In Psalm 130 we read, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? If we were all called to account for our sin, no one could stand. Only but for the next verse. But it says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Yes, what he saw, he saw the Lord. But he realized, he realized he was unclean. What he required, he required cleansing. And the, the cleansing coal from the altar. The, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. And what he experienced through all of this, he experienced surrender. Because he, was, he had heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. What a change. Note the change here. He, he, he's done before. He's finished. He's written himself off. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And now he's saying, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Not fit for purpose. But yet, he knows that cleansing power, 
of the word of God. What a difference that makes. To have a boldness and a freedom and a trust in him. He's ready for service that it's nothing of himself. But it's all of God. It's his work and what made the difference. It was the meeting with the king. This deep cleansing of the heart by the blood of Christ. The pardoning grace that brings, brings a freedom. Here I am. Send me. Is God speaking to someone? You see, somebody knows that they're sensing the call of God. You see, when we say that, we say, to whatever. Here I am, send me. There's no buts in there. But not to, or not to. There's nothing of that. When God speaks and when God calls, we can only say, here I am, Lord. I don't have the strength. I'm weak. But Lord, in your perfect will and purpose, here I am. Send me to whatever to whatever you want me to do in obedience under his kingship. Just a story to finish. There's a horseman <clears throat> rode out into the night into a, a forest, a wooded area where he wanted to get away from the, 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 the lights of where he was to get out into the darkness and so that he would have a lovely view of the sky at night. So we went and he found this clearing in the forest and he stopped his horse and carriage. And he stopped and he looked up and he couldn't see the night sky. But then he, the lights round the carriage, he snuffed them all out till it was all dark. And then he looked up and he could see the the, the wonder of the sky at night, the stars shining brightly. Is there something that's clouding our vision? Are there things in our lives that, and in my life that needs to be snuffed out, needs to be dealt with because it's spoiling our view of the king, of the greatness and of the holiness and the majesty of the Lord. Spoiling us seeing something of what Isaiah saw in that year that he remembered so well. It was the year that King Uzziah died. He said, I saw the Lord. Is that our longing? Is that our heart? Or is there something in our lives that's preventing that happening? Coldness of heart. Secret sin. Critical spirit. Wrong relationship. Whatever it might be. Friends, it needs to be snuffed out. 
needs to be dealt with through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When we come to him, that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to come. He's a loving Savior, and he wants us to see him as he is. Need to see more. I say I was sent out with a message, a hard message, really a message to a people largely that would not listen, that had rebelled and rebelled for so long and would keep on rebelling. But he was still sent. He still had to go and bring this wonderful, glorious message, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus. But there was a remnant. There was a remnant there at the end, although a tenth remains in it, it will be burned again like the terebinth or the oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. That's what ministers of the gospel are called to do. Just called to keep on, keep on proclaiming this glorious message. Keep on. Wonder how will we respond today to this message? It's not my message. A message from the Word of God. Do you have a longing in your heart that you would see, see Him afresh, see something of what I see I saw? I saw the Lord. That would have a deep and a profound impact upon our lives as his people. But maybe today you're not one of his people. Maybe you're not trusting in him. And he's calling to you. How will you respond? As this, as the word has been, been brought forth again today, and as I know you sit under it, if you come here regularly under the faithful preaching of the word, and it's brought week after week, how do you respond? Will you come? Say, here I am, Lord. I want to trust you. I want to be your child. I want to be useful to you. As I was saying to the children, don't say, not my king, but say, yes, my king. It's Jesus, that you would trust in him and follow him all the days of your life. Lord, we pray that you would help us to get a fresh glimpse of you.